The first reading is taken from John chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. Jesus has been praying for his disciples, and now he prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me throughout their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may may be as one, and we are as one. I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the whole world know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want to thank, I want those of you who have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know us, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to, sorry, apologies, and I have made you known to them, and will continue to make them known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 3, starting to read at verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Brian and Jeremy, thank you for reading that for us. Please do keep that second reading open, that reading in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, as we dive into it together. Now, being a Christian is hard, isn't it? You feel weak, the church looks weak, you don't feel like you belong here, maybe feel like you're an imposter, and you certainly don't feel like you know as much as others around here do. And don't forget that Christianity is is under attack. The secular society looks way more impressive than the church does. And a lot of Christians that you know, well, they're, they're suffering. It all seems so discouraging. That's what being a Christian in Ephesus in AD 60 was like. But I imagine that that's not too dissimilar to our experience of being a Christian today, for some of us anyway. See, in Ephesus, they used to have Paul. It was much better when he was around. There were miracles happening. Even just touching Paul's handkerchief was enough to heal you. 
but now Paul is in prison. The temple of Artemis looks much more impressive than the church, plus the church was mainly Gentile in Ephesus. Were they really included in God's family too? Sometimes it can seem like God isn't powerful. It can seem like God's not at work. But in Ephesians so far, Paul has been showing the church in Ephesus that God's power is at work today. You just need to know where to look. In chapter 2, Paul showed us that God's power is seen in the fact that we're Christians. He's made us alive with Christ. That in itself is a huge miracle. He's shown us that God's power is seen in bringing Jew and Gentile into one household in which God himself lives. And he's shown us that God's power is seen as Paul himself is captured for the gospel. He's suffering for the advance of the good news of Jesus around the world. Look down with me at chapter 3, verse 13. Paul says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. You see, Paul's, Paul's explained the enormity of who Christ is and the enormity of who we are in him. And now what does he do? Well, he gets to his knees and he prays. And he prays that the Christians in Ephesus would truly grasp, they truly understand what he's been telling them. And this prayer that he prays is hugely significant. This prayer, if if it's answered, it could change everything for us as Christians. And this is a great prayer for us to pray for ourselves, but also good to pray for one another too. Because it's going to transform how we see our lives today. So let's pray now for understanding before we dive in. Dear Almighty Lord God, we thank you for these words here written by the Apostle Paul. And we thank you that you are with us by your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, we open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to understand what you are saying here. Amen. So, are you feeling discouraged? Feeling weak? Well then, there's three things that you can pray for. Firstly, you can pray for God's power to strengthen you. For God's power to strengthen you. Look down at verse 14 with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Let's think about that for a moment. As those of us, um, as, as those who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus, we find our name as children of God. We are children of the one who formed the earth. The creator of all things, the one sustaining the stars and planets, the tides on the sea, life on earth, he is our father. So when we're feeling weak... Remember who your dad is. Remind yourself that you are a child of God the Father, the creator, the sustainer, the governor, the judge of the universe. He is your father in heaven, and he loves you as one of his many, many, many children in this family that spans heaven and earth. And as our father, we can, we can come to him with requests which is what Paul does here. He kneels before God the Father and he asks for 
power. I wonder if you've ever had to ask a parent for something. It doesn't always feel nice, does it? Especially when it involves money. It can be hard asking your parents for money. It feels a bit awkward. You've kind of got to admit that you've, you've messed up, you need help. It doesn't feel great, does it? Well, Paul here, he doesn't hesitate to run to his father. He kneels before his father, the creator, sustainer, governor, judge of the universe, and he asks that out of his glorious riches, verse 16, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. What boldness does Paul have? He looks up to God and says, God, I know that out of all of your riches, you have the power to strengthen the church. Lord, give us that power. And do you know what God does? By his spirit, he enters our inner being and he gives us power. The living God, he dwells within us and he strengthens us with power. But what is this power for? What, what does he strengthen us for? Uh, along with half of Maidenhead, it seems, since January, I've been going to the gym. Now, please don't laugh. I have actually been going to the gym. Now, if you've not been to the gym before, or if it's been a while since you've been to the gym, it can be, like, it can be quite a confusing and intimidating place. You've got these people with biceps bigger than my head throwing weights around and shouting, There's these people who seem to be able to run at 80 miles per hour for hours on end on a treadmill. And there's all of these confusing-looking machines that just look really confusing. I don't know how I would even use that. And to be honest, being in the gym, I feel out of place. A bit confused. I'm very aware of my physical weakness. Outwardly, I am weak. And for most of us, we are all too aware of our physical weakness, aren't we? Over time, our our bodies, they stop working, don't they? But Paul here, he's praying not for outward strength, but for strength in our inner being. Did you notice that? The Spirit works in us and strengthens us inwardly. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The Spirit renews us inwardly day by day by day. He strengthens us to be more like Christ. Paul prays for God's mighty power to be displayed in us inwardly, in our, in our character, in who we are as followers of him. So if you're feeling weak, if you feel like inwardly you're not up to scratch, you aren't good enough, well, pray for power to strengthen you. Specifically, pray for God's power, his transforming work of the Holy Spirit to be changing you day by day. And God answers our prayer in his timing. Yes, we can still feel weak. We still feel not good enough. But we can be reminded that the Lord truly is at work in us powerfully. How amazing that the Holy Spirit, he strengthens us in our inner being, making us more like Christ. So feeling discouraged, feeling weak, well, pray for God's power to strengthen you. But also, pray for God's Son to dwell in you. Look with me again at verse 16. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul has prayed for the spirit to be strengthening the church, but he's also prayed for Christ to dwell in the hearts of the Ephesian Christians. As Christians, we have Jesus Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. You see, when we turn to Christ, when we put our faith in him, by his spirit, he dwells within us. He lives within our hearts. Here's a picture of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this temple was built as a house for God to dwell in. God would live in this house, and he could be near to his people. But now, through the redeeming work of Christ, by the Holy Spirit, God has a new house. He has a new temple. He now lives within his people. You see, as soon as you become a Christian, as soon as you put your faith in Christ and make him your saviour and lord, he moves in. You have a new roommate. You have Jesus Christ, the son of God, the creator of the universe, the one who holds the keys to life and death, the one who died for you and rose again and is alive today. You have him living in your heart. Christ is alive and he's living in you. That to me is hugely mind-boggling. That's huge, isn't it? Jesus Christ lives in you. He dwells in your heart. A few years ago, I moved into a new house. It didn't, it doesn't look like that. But it's a nice house. I had everything in there that I needed. I thought it was pretty great. But then something happened and I realized it wasn't so great. I received a new housemate, my wife, Polly. When she moved in, everything was transformed. Suddenly, lamps started popping up everywhere. We have lamps now, more lamps than I can count. Candles appeared, air fresheners. The place now smells nice. I didn't realize how bad it smelt before she moved in. We have cushions on the sofa. We have shelving units for my board games that are now nicely organized. The whole house is completely transformed for the better. Well, when Christ dwells within us, when he moves in, he completely transforms the house. When Paul prays that Christ would dwell within our hearts, he's praying that Christ would have a transforming presence in us. That Christ would have a transforming presence within us. When we turn to Christ, we die with him and are transformed as he moves in and makes us more like him. He makes us holy and pure, just like he is. Now, this idea of being made holy and pure like Jesus, it sometimes seems like an impossible goal to reach, doesn't it? When I examine my heart, when I see the person I am, I can sometimes doubt that Christ is is at work in me. We may feel like we've not changed as much as we would have liked, Maybe we compare ourselves to others at church and we think, oh, I I wish I was holy like that person. I wish I I wasn't the way that I am. Should I even be trying to be like Jesus? Is that even a goal I can grasp? Well, if that's you, pray that Christ is dwelling in your heart and remember his transforming presence within you. Every day, he's making you more like him. Of course, we're we're still in bodies stained by sin. 
We're living in a fallen world, but each and every day we are being sanctified, transformed into Christ-likeness because he's dwelling in our hearts. Or maybe, maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're happy with how the house looks. You don't think it's that bad, really? Do you really need Jesus dwelling in you, transforming you? Surely I'm good enough without Jesus. Well, all of us need Jesus dwelling within us because we all struggle with what the Bible calls sin, where we say no to living God's way and we decide that we know better. And we see that that ever so clearly when we look at Christ, when we see the way he lived as a man on earth, and we, we see him, we read about him in the Gospels, and we see there's no way I could be like him. Well, as Christians, Christ dwells in our hearts, and he has a transforming presence. He changes us, and when we look back at who we were before trusting in him, we can see that inch by inch, little by little, we're being made more into the likeness of Christ. Now, what does it mean for Christ to dwell in my heart? If a doctor scanned my heart, would, would they see Christ in there? Well, no. In, in the Bible, when we talk about our hearts, we talk about our very being, where we find our decision-making, our wisdom, our thoughts, emotions, and our physical being. So for Christ to dwell in our hearts, Paul is talking about Christ directing who we are. It means that Christ is in the driver's seat. We allow him to rule over our affections, over our decisions, our priorities and our attitudes. I wonder if that describes you. Well, pray that Christ is dwelling in your heart through faith. And and he roots and establishes us in love, as Paul prays here. Now, in in hearing this, you may have a question. I certainly did reading this. If Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, who are a group of Christians, all trusting in Christ through faith, then why why is he praying for Christ to dwell in them? Do they need Christ to enter their hearts again? Do they need to be baptized again? Do we need a second baptism? Well, some people believe that. But no, we, we don't need a second baptism. We preach one Lord. One faith, one baptism. Because once Christ has entered our hearts, he stays there for eternity. But Paul is praying here that their faith would endure and persevere. That's what he's praying. He's praying not only for a transforming presence, but a persevering presence. A persevering presence. He's praying that Christ's presence would endure in them that they would be truly rooted and established in love, as he prays in verse 17. Just like the temple which was rooted, rooted and established, built up in Jerusalem, as God's people, Paul is praying that our roots are in Christ's love, that we are established in him, and that we would have a persevering faith in him that lasts for eternity. So are you feeling discouraged? Are you feeling weak? Well, pray for God's power to strengthen you. Pray for God's son to dwell in you. And thirdly and lastly, pray for God's power to understand Christ's love. Pray for God's power to help you to understand Christ's love. Look again with me at verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul has prayed that the Ephesians would have power to strengthen them in their inner being, that Christ by his power would dwell in them, and now that his power would give them understanding. Why do they need power to understand Christ's love? That's because Christ's love is unknowable. It surpasses knowledge in verse 19. Have a look at this picture. Can you see what it is? Can you tell what it is? Looks like bricks, doesn't it? You can't really see what the building is. You can't tell how big or small the building is either. But if we zoom out, and if we zoom out again and again, we can see it's the pyramid, Great Pyramid of Giza. It's not until we zoom out that you can see how tall and wide and long the pyramid really is. Well, that pyramid is, is pretty big, but Christ's love is so much bigger. Now, this is crucial. Can I say that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is bigger than we think he is? Maybe you have a low view of who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you have a high view of who Jesus Christ is. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is even grander and mightier, even more loving than any of us can possibly imagine. Christ's love surpasses knowledge. It's unknowable. Yet, Paul prays that God would give the Ephesian church power to know this unknowable love. Christ's love is so baffling, it's so vast, so big, that the church needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to know it. I wonder, do do you doubt Christ's love? Do you truly understand the magnitude of his love? Do you grasp who Jesus really is? Well, pray for power to understand. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds to get Christ's love. When I was a teacher, there would be times where I'd have explained something really clearly, I I thought, anyway, uh, several times as well. And there would always, without fail, every day, be a child that would put their hand up and say, Mr. MacDonald, I don't get it. I don't get it, they would always say. I don't get it. It would really wind me up. Well, I see my sin. I see my weakness. Yet I read in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that in love, the Lord chose me to be adopted as his son in Jesus Christ. I read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, that because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. I see this, and I put my hand up, and I say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand how you can love me in this way. I don't understand how you can love humanity in this way. Please, Lord, by your spirit, give me power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Do you know Christ's love? Well, pray for God to give you the power to understand as you look at the cross. As as you read in the Gospels of Jesus Christ willingly walking up to the cross with the weight of my sin and guilt on his shoulders, with the weight of your sin and guilt on his shoulders, being hung on a cross, crying out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
and dying a terrible death. As you see that, pray that God would give you the power to truly understand his love. Because when we truly grasp the magnitude of Christ's love, it changes everything because it changes our perspective. You know those times when we're struck with illness and we think, God, why has this happened? When we face uncertainties with our job and we think, I I just don't know what to do. When we see the way the world is going, we think, I'm scared. Facing those challenges, facing those fears with a true understanding of who Christ is, gives us amazing comfort. In fact, living a life shaped by Christ's love changes our outlook. And we sit, depending on God, leaning on his everlasting arms, safely in him. So are you feeling discouraged? Are you feeling weak? Well, pray that God would strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit. Pray that Christ may dwell in you through faith. Pray that the Spirit would give you the power to understand Christ's love, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, when we ask God to, out of his glorious riches, like this jug, but it's much bigger, Out of his glorious riches, he fills us to the measure of all the fullness of himself. Meaning that as we we live as Christians, each day, God is continuing to fill us, each and every day. And every day, we're reaching closer to his perfection. And as we pray for God to do this, we look on to our final state, when we are with him, perfectly filled. Filled up to that fullness of God. Don't be discouraged now. Pray for God's power for you. As we finish, how do we know that God will answer this prayer? When it doesn't always feel like God is with us, when it doesn't always feel like he's making us more like Jesus, I feel like I'm still the same. When it doesn't always seem like we understand Christ's love, how do we know that God can actually answer this prayer? Well, remember who God is. Look with me at verses 20 and 21. Now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do more than all we ask or imagine. By his power, he is at work within us. If you're here today trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, this passage is my prayer for you. That the Lord God, out of his glorious riches, would strengthen you, may fill you, and give you understanding of Christ's love. Let's keep praying this prayer for ourselves. I certainly need to pray this for myself. And pray this for one another too. And as we pray this, let's expect God to answer this prayer. Well, let's pray. Father God, we are your children. And we pray, Lord, that out of your glorious riches, that you may strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being. 
We pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, rooting and establishing us in love. And we pray, Lord, that we would have power together as your holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.